Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by the Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the gaming industry. Visit us online at IndieGame.Business to learn about our online digital events. We have some amazing sessions with people in the gaming industry, and you can participate for free and purchase inexpensive passes to our industry-leading business-to-business system. Now, here we go, Indie Game Business. And I completely forgot the countdown. So, we're not going to do a countdown. There we go. Um, <laughs> this is what... <laughs> This is what happens when Jay is on like five hours of sleep and I've only had one cup of coffee. So welcome everybody to the Pub Indie Publisher AMA, which I believe was one of our top most favorited talks of the week. So oh, no. I'm going to let everybody, yeah, no, no pressure. No, that's always the pre-hype, right? No, We're going to ball on Underworld this shit. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to let y'all go around and introduce yourselves and tell us who you're with and why you're awesome. So, well. so we, Let's do it in uh, in order of uh, alphabet. Are you I throwing me in it? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, my name's Kiva. Um, it's not, it doesn't sound... It's not spelled how it sounds, um, <laughs> but I'm the publishing producer at Chucklefish. So my role very much involves uh, getting involved with all the teams that we're publishing in terms of supporting them with their schedules, supporting them with their budgets, um, basically just helping them with the, the scary process of launching a game. Um, and yeah, and then on the side of that, I also help with kind of the publishing onboarding. So we will find pitches that we really, really like, you know, convince people to sign with us. Um, and then we kind of support them with that, you know, working with the publisher now. So that's me. Des. Uh, Des. Hello, I'm Des. I run production for uh, Fellow Traveller. And they're a indie publishing label based in Australia. Um, I'm not there. I'm in Germany. And a couple of us are just dotted around the world. Um, but yeah, we focus on story-led games um, and pretty much what Kiva just said. Uh, yeah, I help you budget some schedules, dealing with platform holders, uh, forecasts, QA, all the fun stuff. Sweet. And last but not uh, least, Johan. Yeah, I... Uh... Yeah, my name is on the screen, and I run scouting for Rafiur together with a couple of other people. Uh, that's the stuff I get paid to do, and then I usually put my fingers in as many pies as possible because uh, I have severe uh, easy boredom issues. So I like to get involved where I can. Uh, occasionally, that means marketing or brand or events or uh, producing a gin uh, out of uh, in secret for the company and uh, you know any any anything really uh used to the business development for indies and run an incubator uh for a couple of years in sweden uh as the coo there and have started ran and fucked up uh the occasional festival uh <laughs> along those lines <laughs> And, and by the way, if we weren't clear, you can totally cuss on this channel. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Otherwise, uh, get ready with the big beeper if there's any Americans in the crowd. Uh, I do children's parties, by the way. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, uh, I, uh, I curse for emphasis, I curse for fun, and I curse without thinking about it. So I'm sorry about that already. I, yeah. I, I firmly believe that you can't work in this industry without resorting to it from time to time. So, all right, let's dive in. We've already got a bunch of questions lined up. So first question is from Loro, if I'm pronouncing that right, on YouTube. Uh, they had a publisher that really liked the prototype they sent them, but they're unsure if there's a market for the game. They told us to come back with a bit more concrete vision as well as proof that there's a market out there. <laughs> Dan, killing it, man. Get me up. To, uh, how would you approach proving that there is a market here? Any tips for that? And if someone gives you an additional task like that, 
does it normally mean they want you to do well? Who wants to take a run at it? Uh, I I can I'll have a go at the second thing. So yeah, if a publisher gets back to you with more requests, it does mean they are interested. It means they're arguing internally um, to try and well, your champion internally to argue with everyone else uh, to try and sign it. Um, but yeah, just not super convinced. And there's two ways to look at that. It could be we're thinking we're not the right people to give it the reach that it needs, or we haven't done that type of game before. We think it's kind of cool, but we're like, ooh, like why hasn't anyone else done this? Is there something we haven't seen? Um, yeah. Sweet. Uh, I'd also add that uh, you asked if there's anything you can do to prove there's a market. Uh, there's a great talk by Cassia Curran, Cassia Curran on uh, market viability. Uh, just Google C A S S I. Fuck it. I'll write it in the YouTube. Uh, <laughs> uh, Curran market viability. Fuck it. Uh, not spelled like that, but you can figure it out. Uh, which is really, really good short primer on how to assess if there is a market for your video game. Otherwise, uh, you know, find out who your competitors are currently, which competitors have done well in the past, and what's coming out next. Using uh, GameCrunch.com, for example, for looking at stuff from, from yesterday, so to speak, or looking into the past, um, figuring out what the top earners are when they came out. Um, and then possibly popping into Simon Carless uh, hype chart that he does for the gamediscover.co uh, newsletter. Both of them are based on Lars Doucette's work. Uh, Texan guy, you should find him on Twitter, really good. Uh, does a lot of data crunching, has worked on Steam before. Um, if you have that, you can pretty easily like pull out 10 good competitors. Don't pull out the unicorns, pull out stuff that you feasibly can compete with uh, and be very, very honest with yourself in where your game places itself and what merits it has. Uh, this obviously requires you to have uh, a good amount of insight and distance to the project yourself to be able to look at it properly. There's nothing, nothing exists that's objective, but you should be able to put it next to a thing and say, well, it's not Breath of the Wild, but it is an open world game with exploration and you can climb. Uh, and then figure out where the fuck you are on the list, uh, ish. Yeah, I, I always love those. You get to that slide of the PowerPoint deck, and it's like we have an open world game, and because Breath of the Wild sold twenty million copies, <laughs> we're yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It, it, it's fine to have that as well. Uh, uh, so you know, uh, it's it, it's you're not a developer because you're the best on business development or market assessment or competitive analysis. A publisher should be able to help you correct that if they're interested. Uh, it's good to do, though, because it tells you a lot of things that you might not know about your game. Uh, Kiva, sorry for, for being loud. No, what? Don't apologize. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a really interesting question, like turning around and asking you um, to do your own market research on it. It kind of makes me think that there's a potential that they want to know who you think your target audience is, because they've probably looked at the game already and went like, well, we think it's going to hit this market. But of course, to make sure that their messaging would end up aligned with what your messaging is. They kind of want you to go off, do your own research and think of where it might fit. And if, you know, your own research is making you kind of change what the potential hook and your prototype might be. Um, so they're probably trying to figure out if your visions are both aligned based on like their first impression of the game and, you know, kind of what your hopes and dreams are for the game. Basically, I don't have such a long-winded answer like Johan, but it's oh, it's sorry. interesting to to turn um to turn like you know the publisher to turn around and ask someone to do their own set of market research when it's kind of knowledge that a lot of publishers have there already. It's it's always a double-edged sword because you want to make sure if if you go in with your numbers and it's like nowhere near what the publisher has, they're going to be like, "Are you sure you're looking at the right stuff?" Um, but yeah, all right. Wonderful. Here's the next one. So, Des, I'm going to start with you. As you said, recently Yacht Club Games did a sales breakdown of their games. That was really interesting. Do any of you have plans on doing something like that 
for any of the games that you publish to make it easier for new developers to estimate their costs better? God damn, Yacht Club. Um... Your <laughs> <laughs> uh, answer is no. Um, so and, and that's not for any evil reason. It's just for stuff like that is, um, you know, that's down to the developer. Um, that's like their data, which, you know, we're not really going to be custodians of. Um, I think doing what I read that actually the other day from your club. Um, it's awesome. Like, and I, I'm going to be a bit of a bitch about it and be like, well, yeah, would they have done that six months, a year after launch? Um, I don't think they would have. Um, but yeah, it's a good retrospective. Uh, I definitely encourage, um, you know, indies to do that. It just helps us be a bit, you know, stronger. Um, with data like that, like, don't forget, they're putting it out for transparency, but they are also putting it out. There's loads of more questions you can ask around that. Um, in private, I don't think they would answer them in public. Hence, why they put it out as they did. Um, but yeah, no. So yes, it's awesome. As fellow traveller, no, we won't do that. Um, but the devs are welcome to do that if they want to. Either one of y'all want to chime in, or you'll go to the next one. <laughs> no, I, I'm happy to to chime in. I just want to want to leave space for for people to, to <laughs> chime in because I'm loud. Um, uh, well. It's a similar situation, I guess. It's more about this would be something that has to come from the devs, uh, ask us to do it. I don't think we're opposed to doing it. I mean, we have been talking internally about releasing numbers uh, to a certain extent. But when it comes to, I think the question was um, to, to help developers estimate the costs better. Um, well, Yacht Club is based out of Venice Beach, Los Angeles with a team of pretty established devs and, and you know, old timers, uh, qu quite a few of them. Uh, so the, the, their costs uh, and your costs are probably not going to be similar in terms of like porting, in terms of like lock, etc. It depends on the relationships you have with the companies, uh, the prices you can get from a company that you are working with throughout the years with several projects going to differ from what you get from a one-time deal. Uh, so there's tons of nuances here that you might not be getting. I think it's good. I like transparency. Uh, I would love for us to do more of it, uh, but it's not up to me to push it. We do have some, uh, like we have the some IPs that we could probably do it with that we own fully ourselves. Uh, but I don't know if, the, if they are uh, relevant to the conversations now because it's been been a while uh essentially uh but there are some devs i think gray alien um jake burkett spends a lot of time publishing a lot of data uh on, on these things so there's there are people that are doing uh really really good stuff in this area so well worth the time for sure kiva you got anything you may go to the next one um yeah, i think it'd be something that's really cool to do um i don't it's it's the same kind of the same boat for us as des is on where these are our developers numbers you know they're not necessarily for us to share um so that's that's the reason why you probably don't see publishers just outright sharing that data but it would be nice if information like this was more public but i would say that for most indies if you're friendly with people running indie studios and you send them a little message and ask, they'll share everything. Like there is very much this camaraderie in the indie game scene um, that, you know, people aren't going to tweet everything about it or write blogs on it, but they'll definitely respond to you via email or on Twitter if you if you had those kinds of questions. All right, so I'm going to start with you for the next one, Kiva. Oh, God. <laughs> On average, how long does it take for a publisher from being pitched to closing a deal? Oh, that is an interesting question. <laughs> um, we try and do it pretty quickly, actually. It really, there's so many parameters involved in deciding, you know, for example, if someone is like pitching to us and they don't really need much funding or anything, and we think that their, you know, their game is not that risky in terms of something to take on that'll happen pretty quickly that might happen like pitch to signing might happen within like 
a month to six weeks. Um, but if someone comes and starts asking us for like loads of money and it's just so much of a risk for us to take on, we're going to really do our due diligence there. There'll be plenty of calls to go through everything. We'll want to dig into the history of everything that's happened on the game so far, what the studio have done so far. Um, do we believe that they can deliver uh, on this game? Um, like, you know, how, how does it fit into our schedule and, and what kind of resources do we have to assign to it? And that could take months. Like, you know, you could be talking like signing something like six months after it's originally pitched. Um, so it it really depends i would say that the less the less risky your pitch is the quicker you'll probably be signed if your game is interesting yeah that's all about y'all yeah, yeah pretty much the same um yeah if it's cheap and like fits the window and you're somewhat it's, it's not your first game and like kiva said we believe you could deliver when you say you can it's like yeah okay that'll go faster but if it's serious money, like there's so many hoops you gotta go through. Um, real numbers, I don't think we signed anything faster than six weeks. I don't think anything's taken longer than I'm gonna say three months. So, not not a bad window. Like I, I know quite a few publishers that take longer than that. But uh, yeah, Bajal Johan. Uh, we are, you know, depends a lot. Uh, I've had the uh, pleasure and the uh, production wrecking uh, situation where I've had two kids in the span of three years, which uh, when I started, I was the uh, essentially the sole uh, scout. I've been ramping up. That's with more people since, but that essentially means that you can pitch us uh, and then you had the... Uh, unfortunate situation that you pitched us just as I went on dad leave, for example. And then everything kind of slows down and goes kind of 50%, 20% uh, slower at least. Uh, so the span is pretty fucking wide. We are getting up to speed now from my, my last dad leave, uh, clearing things out and getting to, back to people. Um, but from the point that I see a thing, and I like it, uh, to the point of signature, um, shortest amount of time, probably two weeks, uh, shortest amount of time for serious money, as in plus million USD uh, budgets without calculating marketing and and other spends, uh, three weeks maybe. Um, but we've also had stuff that took you know, three months to iron out. It's less about the, uh, well, obviously we also operate on a, you know, ish sizable uh, budget. So big money is, is different between different publishers. Um, and I'm allowed to make riskier bets as long as I can sugarcoat them well enough that our financiers think it's okay. <laughs> 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 no, but uh, it's it doesn't. So the, the numbers doesn't really matter. That the pacing of things is more in regards to walking through contracts and getting legal stuff set up. And sometimes developers don't have a company, so then we have to help them uh, figure that out, or that has to be set up. So, um, so yeah, pretty wide. Uh, two weeks to three months is not uncommon. Uh, I'd say the sweet spot is probably more along the lines of one to two months. All right. So I'll, I'll give the answer from the standpoint of the person who has pitched. I don't even know how many freaking games over 25 years. And we scout for publishers just to make things more complex. The average that we tell people is four months. because And it used to be shorter, but... With the, when the pandemic hit and all of a sudden everybody had like digital access to every publisher, it absolutely skyrocketed. It, it takes longer. So if y'all are knocking out deals in like a month, kudos. What we see is typically four months from the time that we first send the game to a publisher to the time that, you know, it gets actually signed. Yeah, I, um, this was when I see the game. That when I see the game might be Two weeks, it might be two months. So that's important to note. Yes. Can I can I just add that? So one thing that helps us is that we're super niche. So it's super quick for us to be like, that's a label fit, that isn't. Um, so that's what speeds that up for us. So I, I used to work for a different publisher and um, 
we weren't as niche. And then um, it kind of like, as the, as the other two have said, like once you've got that, then you're looking at, okay, do we have a game like this already? And like all these other things that slow that down. Um, but I, I guess to mix things up, I've, I've a quick question for you, Johan. Um, has things got quicker for you since making the contract public? Yeah. I find so, uh, us... yeah go on. So wait, no, right, yeah. So if you don't that, that's know... That's the, the, the quick answer. Is, <laughs> yes. Ralph Fury's contract is out there publicly available on their website for God and everybody to, to go through. Um, so anyway, yes. So no, it hasn't? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, in the sense that um, people usually have read it before. There's never, I don't, I, I very rarely need to have the conversation. So these are our terms. This is how, uh, how they are set up. Uh, I can skip that part and go into these are our terms and this is why we have them. Uh, yeah. Or we can argue about particulars or sometimes they all come with a redlined uh, document already, which is great. Uh, you know, that opens up for a skips one or two conversations, which is, you know, it's, we get fucking 1500 pitches a year. I don't have uh, time is, is a valuable commodity on my end. Uh, if I can skip two conversations and get into the nitty gritty uh, faster, that's great. Uh, that's a side effect, of course, of, of having the contract live. Uh, there are other side effects as well. Uh, you know, if you want to be the villain of Twitter for Christmas, publish your contract. <laughs> <laughs> there were Every some single, fantastic um... breakdowns of that contract, though. Like, I'm so happy that those kinds of discussions got to happen among indie devs because it is all, like, behind closed doors so often. Yeah. And, like, usually, like, people signing those contracts is such a tiring process that people are like, I don't even want to talk about it. So just having it out there and letting people kind of yeah, I know people did rip it apart a little bit, but no, like it's, it's still fine. so it yeah, it's still so cool that it was there. Um I'm, so. I mean it's it, it the, the the way I view it is that if you're sitting down with another publisher uh and you have never touched a contract before, at least even if you think our contract is shit, you can pull up our contract, put it next to their contract and say this shit contract has a better clause for this. Yeah. So you know why why uh, why the, why is that? Uh, it gives you some sort of negotiation leverage. I uh, you know obviously personally don't think that the contract is shit, but it's perfectly fine if you do. Uh, but I mean, it would be a lot better if all the other publishers got their shit together and published their contracts. That shit ain't gonna happen. <laughs> God, no. This is so funny. Um, so when you did that, like, we, <laughs> we were just like, God damn it. <laughs> I got many angry texts from business developers across uh, the industry saying, what the fuck? I am on vacation. It's Christmas tomorrow. Why the fuck would you ever... And, the thing is, it was planned to go out the week before, but we had another thing that we had to pop into that slot. So it wasn't really... And I, I honestly didn't think that it... I thought that people would be on fucking vacation and come back January and talk about it, but no. Some 2,000 yeah. fucking tweets three days later and my wife being like, can you ever look at like our children celebrating the Christmas? <laughs> uh, and I'm like, look, I'm busy with my phone because I want to keep my job. So, <laughs> but it was, it was, you know, it was fun. Uh, there were some, some side effects that could have been mitigated uh, in a better way by publishing it online before Christmas. That also meant uh, some folks being not proper uh, courteous about things, going to our developers asking, why the fuck did you sign a predatory contract, yeah. you absolute dickwads? Which is, uh, that is a way to make sure that you end up on my shit list for sure don't go to people that i work with and make them suffer for my fucking stupid ideas <laughs> well, i I, yeah. I so that, i mean just to say when we said god damn it like it wasn't like a terrible thing um so personally i'd just like to say thanks for <laughs> taking the bullet on that one um, yeah. <laughs> But, uh, uh, it must have been inspiring for the, every other indie developer to publish their contract. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, nope. Um, <laughs> but the only reason is just because um, 
like it just creates too too much discussion. So basically, the whole time I've been here, in fact, no, every publishing contract that I've given out has been different, and I think that was kind of like the most interesting part of the discourse that I enjoyed was just like some th different things matter to different people. Yeah, and I mean, I wouldn't use the word predatory with your contract, um, not by a long way. Uh, yeah, and, you. You know, and, and a lot of the people talking were also speaking from a position of privilege, right? So it's like, oh, yeah, we've already published successful games. We'd never do a contract like that. It's like, no, you wouldn't because you don't have to. It's just, yeah, it, yeah it's just crazy. But um, Different yeah. people need different things at different parts of yeah. their career. Yeah. Um, I've been on both sides of the table, um, and I never thought I would be working for a publisher because I saw folks getting fucked. Uh, on a weekly to bi-monthly basis. Uh, and the only reason I joined Raw Fury was because they signed Gunner by, uh, by Ditto, who I was doing business development for uh, for a little while. Uh, and I got to see how they treated him from the inside as the uh, business partner, or not a business partner, I was just fucking helping out. I think I'm lined up as emotional support in the uh, credits. <laughs> um, so uh, that was a big part of why I ended up on this side of things. I was thinking about going back to carpentry for fuck's sake. Why didn't you? This I... industry versus hitting things with a hammer? I mean... <laughs> have you seen these small hands that are <laughs> supple and soft now? <laughs> All right. So I got another one on researching the market. Uh, this one's not in. This was from the Discord. So uh, Steam data is relatively available using steam db and steam spy and various tools out there but how do you try and measure data for consoles hmm? <laughs> magic yeah you don't <laughs> <laughs> no it's the only uh, the only legal data you can get is either your own or stuff that's been publicly shared uh in good ways uh that's the only like available data you will probably have. Like I will know a percentage ish of how our titles in different genres fare on different consoles. And that can inform some of my decisions. Um, but yeah, no, it's obviously much, much harder. That's generally why, why using steam as your, um, as a way to measure shit is, is easier. It might not be right. It's just, the, that data is at least somewhat available. Uh, that would be my my short answer. I, I, I agree. Not, the next question would be, how do you do it for mobile games and free-to-play? And, and I always tell people, put whatever the hell in it you want, because it's not going to be right, no way, and yeah. no one's going to be able to prove you wrong. So I, um, pick, I can... pick some numbers. Yeah. All right. Um, so let's see here. What would a definite deal breaker to you that makes you go like, okay, this game or studio ain't it? Assholes. Yeah. Yeah. You you kind of get it from if you if you're like, oh, we really like this game, jump on a call, and you're like, I did not get great vibes, or yeah, it's you know, and sometimes someone's like not necessarily an asshole. It's just that like your kind of values as studios wouldn't really gel that well. So it wouldn't be a great working relationship. And you can kind of tell tell that from the first call. So, yeah, uh, I mean, we fly people out to all oh, pre pre COVID we did and we we're going to start up when that's uh, OK ish again. We fly people out to Stockholm to meet with the team and sit down and usually we do the the, like the line by line reading uh oops, that's exciting more jay <laughs> let's see what this oh god that's that's good um but yeah normally um we would basically you know fly people out sit people down and uh you know we go through the contract we we try to hash things out in person it helps understand how people argue about things which is good um and in the end, you things are going to go wrong at some point. If you're going to be working together for 24 fucking months and longer uh, after release, um, there's a high likelihood of something going wrong at some point. And knowing that you're able to sit down and have a coffee or a beverage of your choosing to iron things out 
when things are good, hopefully means that you can do that as well if things go south. Um, so yeah, like personal chemistry is important um, to a large degree for sure. I've had uh, devs talk themselves out of a deal. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's been like, we saw the pitch, it's great. All the numbers look good. And then we spoke to them in due diligence. And we're just like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Yeah, it's a shame. All right, so I just want to point out that Alexis loves Kiva and Dez, but not you, Johan. Screw you, dude. No, nah, it's fine. I, I'm used to being the, the fucking villain. <laughs> I'm the uh, the heel of the industry, I guess, so it's fine. <laughs> you and your damn predatory contract. I'll put on, uh, uh, <laughs> I'll put on a, a WWE uh, suit next time. <laughs> All right, so next question. Kiva, I'm going to start with you. What's a sign for you that the numbers are good enough for you to proceed with publishing? In other words, what's enough? That is too vague a question. <laughs> okay. so this is a perfect thing. We um, have a phrase that we use on this podcast at all the conferences, and somebody's like, you just need to add it as your tagline. The answer is, it depends. It That's does just- depend. You know, there's so many things that we look out for. Like, first of all, we, we kind of try and... Based on the market, we try to figure out if a game could cover the costs that they're kind of saying are there in their budget, because of course we want people to be making profits on their games. But the next kind of thing up is, are the developer expectations reasonable? Like, do they think that they are going to be similar to some of the smash hits out there? Like at Chucklefish, we always get, we, we want to be the next Stardew Valley. And that's just, you know, that is, <laughs> yeah. uh, we would love to do that for everybody, but we just can't, sorry. <laughs> um, uh, but of course, like, is it, you know, are they asking for things that are reasonable for uh, the target audience that they're aiming for? Um, so there's, there's a few different things that come into play. There's no, there's no specifics. It's very much, you know, what would these developers be happy with at the end of the day? And do we believe that we could fulfill that? Are you looking for a publisher for your game? Well, we have something special just for you. It's the most comprehensive listing of PC, console, and mobile publishers in the industry. Over 700 companies sorted by platform with links to their websites. You can get the list at www.powellgroupconsulting.com slash publisher dash list. And you can get it for free. Check it out. Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at IndieGame.Business. Yay! Yeah, I, Stardew uh, Valley is another one of those games that you do not put in your pitch deck as a comparable. Uh, just, but, yeah, <laughs> we yeah. get it in all of ours. I guess they I mean, have yeah. to, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I think that it's um, there are a couple of ways of go, going about it. I think that you, if you're signing something, you don't think that it will turn a profit. It needs to be signed with open eyes on both parts. So we sign uh, the occasional, like very high risk uh, game um, because you know sometimes there's just something that needs to be f- made, and uh, I'm I'm going to be batting internally, or someone else is going to be batting internally for us to take it on, and we have enough flexibility in our budgets to do it. Then we'll probably try to do it, um, but that's always going to be a conversation with the devs and making sure that you know we there's a possibility that this will make money for sure but like the outset for of this is going to be probably not we can keep you you know fed and with your uh, burn rate like we'll we'll take care of that during development and a couple of months after that probably because we, in the end we don't want anyone to sign with us and then just die off as a studio um but uh making money out of this is going to be very very, very tough um I think that as a general goal, having, you know, that no studio should disappear within 
six to 12 months after they have released a game with you as a publisher is a good target. Um, that means that they're either making money or there's a, a rainy day fund somewhere or padded something, something. Um, if there's, you know, we obviously pre would prefer that they survive because we're making money. Uh, and that's usually uh, the case as well. Um, so that's that's kind of the, the goal. I think we've been talking internally a little bit about like how to how to quantify that. Um, and it's essentially like uh, recouping within the first quarter is a good target um, because that should be survivable for everyone involved. Uh, we usually keep people on for, you know, bug fixing and, and general buffers post launch as well for a while. Um, so something along those lines. Um, All right, Des, I'm going to kick it to you, but I'm going to add another question that's come up and it's along the same lines and it's a good question. Oh, what is a decent amount of wish lists on Steam? I'll come back to that. Okay. So the, <laughs> the, the budget thing. Um, yeah, like ask for what you need. Um, I think, yeah, it's got quite a bit better, like with the last couple of years with the online platforms where publishers like actively post their budget ranges like that helps a lot but um work out how much you need and then tailor your pitches to the publishers that can afford that like there's no point coming to us you know asking for seven figures for something because you're never going to get it um uh but every pitch that we do have in our range like more often than not they don't have enough money in there so i'm like just through due diligence i'm like oh hey so what happens if this happens and you know like you do know that it takes them three months to pay us, right? So, like, when you launch the game, like, how are you going to keep the doors open? Um, and they can say, oh, right, 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 yeah. So, um, you know, just little things like that. Like, just work it all. And just go on what you know and what you don't know. Just be honest with us. Because, like, most of us are nice. Like, we just be like, yeah, you can't port that to PlayStation for five grand. That won't work. <laughs> you know, we, yeah, we can help uh... you with this stuff. So... Um, yeah, just be as honest as you can with the numbers, and yeah, as long as there's method behind the madness, like we can get to a spot where it works. Um, and then I think, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm just being a raw fury fanboy here. Like, um, <laughs> on your website, you're really clear about like the different pots of uh budget, which is really really cool. Um, and I guess uh, maybe a couple, this question comes later, but like. One biggest uh, takeaway I want you to take from this is just be very specific about what you're asking us for and know what you want, because um, that just helps the conversations go faster. Um, wish lists. All I have to say about wish lists is we had one game that had an incredible amount of wishes before launch. Sales numbers were just okay. We had another game with wish lists that were in low tens of thousands, and that game went like the clappers. So we're just sitting there internally thinking, what the fuck? Like, yeah, this doesn't make any sense. Um, sorry, yeah, I got, I got nothing. Wish this, I, I got nothing. Yeah, I think the main reason that we chase wish lists so much, of course, it's it shows interest in the game, but it's kind of to like go to Valve and be like, look at this, look how well. <laughs> Look how well it's doing. Do you want to do you want to give it some featuring? Um, <laughs> and that's kind of <laughs> how we use them. I mean, there is also the benefit of, of like securing a spot in the popular upcoming and uh, mm -hmm. new and you know uh, that helps out. Uh, wish lists aren't the the be all end all for sure, and definitely not anymore. Um, but yeah, it's a okay way to kind of get a gauge of how many people have looked at this and gone, huh, I'll, I'll buy this when it's a 90% sale. <laughs> <laughs> or, or it'll be like my wish list and I get an email every time there's a sale. It's like, there are 37 items on your wish list that are for sale. Yeah. Like, yeah. I didn't even yeah, know. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's cosmic right, so, horror. <laughs> I mean, along the same lines, is there a, and I know this ratio changes constantly, which is why I'm asking, is there a standard ratio for wish list to sales. I mean, the box lighter works okay-ish, 
but it's mm-hmm. a span of 22 to 42 sales per review and it differs wildly between games depending on the wish lists uh, or depending on wait fuck what were we talking about wish list not reviews fuck well hell we... then uh, let's talk about wish lists <laughs> Con- so wish lists uh they there's so many nuances to what a wish list is. If you get a wish list two years before launch, it's not going to be the same conversion rates as the one that you get the one week before uh, or the same day of release and so on. So the conversion rates vary wildly. Uh, Why are people wish listing a game the day it releases? Uh, because they see it and they go, I will, ooh, I'll buy this at a 90% sale. Yeah, 10%. <laughs> In my head, I was like, why are they wish listing it and then buying it? This is a, yes, okay, you're, you're, you're correct. When we're talking to our publishing clients about, you know, when we're sitting in their green light meetings for the stuff that we're scouting for, I see some of our clients look at a wish list and they're like, oh, well, it's only got like 400 wish lists. And one of the things that I constantly have to remind them is, yes, because they don't know how to market their game yeah. because that's why they're coming to you. So, yeah. Don't don't bottom line, don't get too wrapped around the axle on what the magic number for wish list is because there's not one. There yes, like Kiva says, a higher one lets them go to Valve and go, look at this. But it doesn't necessarily mean that a lower wish list number is going to get you immediately kicked out of a process. I mean, honestly, the people that need to hear this is the the money people at different types of uh, publishers rather than the developers, honestly. It's uh, it's very easy to go like I need some fucking quantitative data and then it's like oh wish list numbers and then you go oh now I know how this will go and it's like no you don't because <laughs> if if how it's going is it's is how it's gonna go then you as a publisher is not adding anything yeah then you're just a fucking middle hand taking fucking money out yeah. of people's hands and then you shouldn't sign with them because they're useless so all right Kiva I've got one specifically targeted to you. Oh, God. Okay. And this came from the Discord. <laughs> All right, so I keep saying from the Discord, if you're not on our Discord, it's just discord.gg slash indie game business. It's very easy to find. 4,000 developers and publishers and all of our you know, hosts and guests are on there. And I'm going to say this now because I know it's going to happen. We've only got 18 minutes left in this session. So all of these questions that y'all have submitted that I haven't gotten to yet are going to get rolled over into the post-session chat um, where our, our guests, if, if they can stick around and, and talk in Discord for a little bit, will answer. All right, so Kiva, I was thinking about pitching to Chucklefish since I know their games and love them, and I was wondering at what stage is it best to pitch a game? Um, so you can send a pitch at any time. You can even send a pitch two or three times if you want to. I think people think that it's like one hit and you're right. Um, a lot of the time, if we get a pitch really, really early, we will just be like, this seems really, really cool so far. Would you mind developing it a little bit further so that we have a better idea of what you guys are kind of aiming for um, in terms of like art fidelity or like, what you know, a bit, a bit of a clearer idea of what the gameplay is, um, anything like that. Um, and then, you know, when I would say that you want to be at a point where if we're seriously going to chat about signing it, um, you want to be at a point where there's a playable demo that we can try out because it would be incredibly risky for us to sign a game otherwise. Um, and yeah, like we'd want to see like the kind of gameplay, main gameplay hook, um, a good, a good like budget, like overall budget, um, a bit of a production plan. Uh, so things like budget and production plans are things that we help you with, kind of iron out a bit more once it comes to signing. But if you give us a, a bit of an idea of what you guys are thinking, um, that's really really helpful. Uh, <laughs> on the Chucklefish website, I wrote a blog that is really really long and it has a pretend pitch deck that I, you know, I made like a war group pitch deck, um, and it has everything that we look for because you know, we wrote it and it just has, I'll, I'll, I'll find a link to it um, to share on the Discord afterwards, but it just kind of goes through bit by bit of exactly what we look for and what stage your game would be at before we had consider signing it. Um, but yeah, show it, to us at, show it to us at any point because we get really excited about games in development and we keep an eye on them like until like they're at a better stage. So, you know. <laughs> uh, Jess, what, what did you all look for in a first person shooter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's such a good story. Like, that would be a good thing. 
Um, yeah, don't don't pitch us an FPS. Um, that that yeah. I mean, of course, we were unless it has a like, great story, right? I mean, even then, like, oh. basically, <laughs> like, um, yeah, those tough. Like, so we this. Is, I mean, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to. Um, you know, we, we we look for unusual stories and things, and I push the medium forward. Um, ask me what that means, and I'll say I don't know. Um, it's one of those really horrible things where, like, oh, if we see it, it's like, oh yeah, that's the thing. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's really annoying. Um, but like FPS, if you want to make a good one, like that's on a budget range anyway. So uh, yeah. Um, but uh, sorry, I, I was just gonna just. So I saw another question, Jay, which is kind of related to this one um, about what we look for in like a prototype or a demo. Um, personally, <coughs> excuse me. If you've got like your three pillars in your pitch deck, and these are like your, um, I don't believe in key USPs anymore. They just there's too many games, not a thing. Um, but if you're banging on about these three really awesome things in your pitch deck, I better see it in the demo that I'm playing. Because like otherwise, what's the point? Um, that's my key thing. And then my very personal bugbear is um, you just have to have a graceful game loop. So like you know, you go to a menu, you can pause the game, you can exit the game gracefully. None of this all F four bullshit. It's just like no, no, no. Like do that game loop properly um, because it's not difficult. Um, but yeah, like the demo, like the demo needs to match the pitch deck, basically. Um, look, art's not too bad. That's because that's expensive. I don't mind. But like game mechanics, needs to be the demo. I uh, I don't give a fuck if I have to alt that four out of it. But <laughs> if you're <laughs> making a a platformer and the jump feels bad, yeah. then you know I'm, I don't care if it's white box. Then you're you know essentially in Thomas was alone uh, situation and sort of like graphically. It's I will, I will play a square jumping on a square terrain, uh, in an interesting level design with a great jump. Uh, if that feels good, I'm more prone to sign it than whatever flashy stuff you have. If the jump is floaty and the uh, like, the the if you have wall jumping, if that just feels off, like the the stuff you do on a second to second and minute to minute basis is super important uh, so depending on what you're making you know knowing what is important to the player when they play is important to focus on if that's not in the demo like i can take your word on the story of this platformer is going to be great it's like all right because 20 people will care uh, but if the jump is shit, then the people who play platformers will not pl play the video game so uh you know getting the stuff that needs to be right, right, is important, I think. And if you're making a game about menus, you know, being able to, <laughs> to get it, get out of the game properly is good. <laughs> All right, so an open-ended one here. Is there anything that's hot right now in terms of game genres? Is Battle Royale still a thing? <laughs> I've, I have personally been waiting on Stardew Valley Royale, and I have not seen it yet. So I think something uh, needs to be done about that. My take on this is no. So we track 650 some publishers around the world. And if you think I'm full of shit, go to my website, go to powergroupconsulting.com or go to indiegame.business and you can download the list right there. Um, and there's 250 to 300 games released on Steam every week. So no, there's not a hot genre. And even if there were, by the time you created something in that genre, uh, it's not going to be hot again. So do, do your, you do you, I guarantee yeah. you there's a publisher. If it's a decent game, there's a publisher out there for you somewhere. Um, all right. Doesn't mean you're going to make money from it. Well, that's yeah. a, we're not in this to make money, Johan. I don't know what the hell you're doing. Uh, well, I'd, I'd say well, at least I really like the people eating, want to eat. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd argue that there's uh, a common tech trope which is, you know, second mouse gets gets the cheese, and that's true to a certain extent. But as a publisher, if you start chasing trends, then you're not going to be the second mouse. You're going to be, you know, 
101st fucking mouse and there's not going to be any cheese left um and if you chase trends you're not going to end up setting them uh and i'd rather try to be on that end of things uh than the opposite as well as trends are fast money in the heads of silicon valley people if you make a really good game that has a really good audience like fucking point and click games people are like oh they're dead no one plays them well they a lot of fucking people play them not as many as people play apex legends but you don't need that many you don't need yeah. nine million fucking people playing your video game every day and buying sixteen thousand fucking loot boxes a minute. You like if you can sell a hundred thousand copies of your point and click game, you're a smashing hit. So you know, uh, know your needs, know what you need to to be able to make your next game. And if you understand a genre and you love a genre, do that shit well. I mean, look at the folks that are self-publishing in genres that are considered to be dead. If they know the the audience that they're catering to and they're talking to them and making interesting stuff that's surprising and, and uh, you know, evolving the medium or evolving the genre or doing something that's, you know, that people have been not asking for in the sense of like, you know, if you ask someone in 1900s what they want, they want a faster horse, they don't want a fucking Ford. But, um, you know... It's the stuff that you might have missed from the genre. So don't worry about trends. Worry about what you can do well and do that better than everyone. I think it's worth mentioning. But whenever we, we talk to people, we're always asking for the story behind why this game is being made. Like, why are you making this game? And it's just not as exciting if you're like, oh, well, I'm just chasing this this kind of trend right now and you know and I think it'd be harder to maintain long-term passion for a project that you're on if you're chasing trends as well of course yeah. if you're really really passionate about that genre sure thing but if you know if you're if you're making something and you see the interest starts to waver over the two years that it's going to take you to make that game that can be incredibly anxiety inducing and you you could be making something that's just really close to your heart so all right, we got time for one, maybe two more questions. So if you have dropped a question in chat and we have not gotten to it, do me a huge solid favor and drop it in the AMA questions Discord channel on our server because otherwise I'm going to have to like copy paste all these things and that's <laughs> not going to go well because I'm out of coffee. All right, so uh, next one, good question. Do publishers expect you to provide a more formal business plan or is there another equivalent in the gaming industry? No. No. Yeah. Like, no. We, it's, I think, and maybe, maybe for bigger publishers, like something that's a bit more of a corporate setup, they might want to know your long-term plan. They might want your business plan if there's some kind of deal going on where they potentially want equity in your company, but you're not really going to get that for a lot of indie publishers. I've not heard of it in indie publishing, so I wouldn't say so. I mean, if if we need a, a more formal business plan, if the, if we're talking about a lot of money and we're talking about potentially several games that we would like to sign down the line and stuff like that, then we will, you know, if you don't have it, we will help you. Um, and if you do have it, it's probably got stuff that we need that's not in there anyways. So it's a good exercise to understand your own business. It's not a necessity to pitch a publisher or get signed. Uh, you should probably still figure out how it works because it will help you and, you know, help you build up your business sense. Um, but yeah, it's not, it's not, you know, prior one for sure. 25 years doing this. I have never written a business plan. I'm not even sure how to start <laughs> writing a business plan. I understand that there are templates out there on the internet that will help me do it. Yeah. Um, no, and, and this is not like a 700 pages fucking thing. Like I, I, I would be happy with like, a I don't know, a, a rough one, like a business model canvas can be perfectly fine to explain mm -hmm. something or like a three pager on like, what are you doing now? What are you going to do later? And how the fuck are you going to do that? Uh, that would be fine as a business plan in my case. But yeah, if we're talking equity or acquisitions, mergers and stuff like that, then uh, there is more uh, heavy lifting involved uh, because then we're not looking at a horizon of like 24 months. We might be looking at a horizon of 5 to 10 to 15 years. 
uh, and all different sorts of streams of revenue, yada, 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 yada. Lots of business jargon. But for, for most indies, nah. There are fundamental differences between pitching a game and pitching a company anyway. And so, oh, yeah, yeah it's, it, it's different. All right, so Dan's getting our, our next talk lined up. We're going to keep going until Dan tells me to shut up. All right, so um, along the lines of business plans, for a single-player RPG game with no in-app purchases, is it important to have follow-up content such as DLC, chapters, or sequels planned and designed? Worked pretty well for Larian. <laughs> I mean, it's it's never... a So for a content... For a story-driven game with a lot of systemic-heavy... Like a systems-heavy game, having a content plan is, is good because you're not going to be caught off guard if it goes well. Um, you know, uh, hopefully the players is gonna wanna do more things with what you got. If you don't have it and it goes well, you know, you can figure it out. It's it's fine. But it's just a matter of like velocity for, uh, you know, there's a couple of months in the end of a development where there's certs and there's fucking marketing plan that needs to be executed. Uh, there's bug fixing and stuff, but that usually doesn't take up the whole company. So, you know, why not spend that time prototyping some, some DLC stuff or some stuff that can be turned from DLC if it goes to shit into a new pitch for a new game? So, you know, uh, ish. Yeah, that's what about you all, I mean, because this is very much in the narrative route. Yeah, so, I, I mean, yeah, this, this hits close to the bone. So it depends, like, you know, exactly what you said. Like, sure, like, you know, plan for the worst, hope for the best. Um, what this relies on, though, is the the sort of like if it's character based. Like, if people don't care about your character, like then they're yeah. not going to be interested in playing more DLC. So, if you nail that in the first place, then sure. Um, and there's something I'm excited about right now is just video games, but like part of like wider entertainment. So, you know. You could plan for a DLC. Uh, if you go like the Crappers, great. You could put some more money. But then um, you could get like a subscription deal, right? And then you could use the subscription deal to upsell into the DLC. Yeah, That's really cool. And then um, also, if the game doesn't work, but you do have this DLC, like maybe you could option it like into a TV show or a book or, or you know, stuff like that. So... Yeah, I, I definitely think, um, and super specifically, if you're making a single-player RPG, like, if you make it all killer, no filler, and, like, super tight, like, that's going to be great. All the stuff you've chopped out should be enough for you to, like, be like, oh, okay, let's tighten this up, make this a bit better. And you've got it, like, you've got a DLC there for maybe, I don't know, 50 40% of the effort, which you could, um, you know, put out and help... Uh, make some more money but um yeah it's not like you say it's not be and all but i personally would be thinking about that um whilst making the base game Kiva? it's not yeah it's it's not something that i can really add anymore to um like we we're we try to be, be quite risk averse with our games so it's very much like a if our our developers have dlc in mind it's kind of like well um we'll see how things go because you know, you never really know what's going to happen after launch. So, stretch goals, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's a fun one. What is your current opinion about VR and where do you think the market is going to go in upcoming years in regards to VR? Uh, it's been an interesting space for quite some time. I think it's matured enough that you can see folks like resolution games and fast travel games, obviously, with. Uh, they are X King and X Dice uh, folks, right? So they have pretty, pretty, an easier route to funding than many. But they've been working and doing some really cool shit. Uh, Project Wraith from uh, from Fast Travel Game is really nice. Uh, Super Hot, obviously, the big unicorn, been reaping rewards there since the uh, early days of the DK one. Um, but. I think more publishers are looking at VR more seriously than what they did three, four years ago, for sure. Quest changed a lot of things for a lot of people. Uh, but 
VR means a lot of different things needs to be added to you as a publisher in terms of skill sets, in terms of understanding new markets and so on. Um, so it's tough to talk about. <laughs> we are looking at some VR stuff because it's like it's feasible now to look at it. Uh, but we still have a lot of stuff to figure out. I hope VR is going to take off. I just hope people stop fucking capturing biometric data and sending it to Zuckerberg. <laughs> I also don't want to have my Oculus account tied to my Facebook account. Thank you. Yeah, it's bullshit. Yes. Yeah. So if someone wants to put out a really good Quest VR device that is not from uh, whatever the new company is called, that would be great. Meta. No, <laughs> we don't. We don't say the M word here. <laughs> That's a uh, bad. It, it's not as bad as saying the NFT word. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Oh my god. I mean, Des and, and keep it, you got anything to add on VR? No, it's I don't know. All our games are two D. I just don't know if VR would really fit. So. <laughs> VR Stardew Valley then. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so. Here's one from, from Frosty Donuts, who I will totally give a plug. He is the one who set up our Discord, and thank God for it, because there's no way I could manage it otherwise. How do you all manage established communities of games after signing, like Twitch channels and, and Discord servers and subreddits? Anyone want to go? Uh, I assume... Like, do we take it over as the publisher? Is that yeah, what if, if the team's already got a subreddit or a Discord server oh. or, or what have you, what happens when the publisher gets involved? Yeah, no, we leave them alone um, because kind of what we've alluded to over the hour, the hour is we're very interested in you still being a studio after our relationship ends. Yeah. If, if yeah. our relationship ends. So, like, you need to keep them. Um but what the marketing team do is like, you know, there's a lot of communication about this cross-pollination, right? So, you know, um, marketing plans are centrally located so we know what we're doing, when and where. Let's retweet this when this is happening. Let's post in this, you know, Discord here. Um, Twitch, we don't do a lot of streaming ourselves. Um, but if we did, like the simplest thing would just be to automate or whatever it was, you know, host each other and stuff like that. So, yeah, we don't take them over. We just amplify if we can, like some are bigger than ours, so. Yeah, we we have, like, it's definitely an Alexis question, really, but um, we have an incredibly small team at Chocolatefish, so there's like five of us doing the publishing, and it would just be unfeasible for us to manage the whole community for every single game. So we've got kind of community support right there, and we very much like help out and help people write up the posts and everything that needs to go out, but it's not, to the extent where we would ever, you know, take over anybody's kind of discords or reddits or anything that's very much that studios and we're just here to help out while we're, you know, while we while we have a working relationship. Yep, same. Uh, we set up our own stuff as well, but yeah, that's how we do it. <coughs> All right, so another really good one. So after the pitch, but receiving no reply, would it be okay to send another email around three to four weeks after it? Also, if the dev is looking, still looking for a deal after many months, would it be okay to pitch it again? They're asking because they keep hearing, if we don't reply, we're not interested. And also, if we don't reply, <laughs> please try again from the same. <laughs> Welcome That's to it. pitching to publishers. That's the... <laughs> We try really, really hard to send everybody a reply, and we do sometimes get people being like, "Oh, I sent you, sent you a pitch. We, ha we had it really recent there, so I sent, I sent you a pitch. Um, no one's got back to me, and it ends up that their pitch just went to spam, and that clears yeah. out after thirty days. And it's not, it do, we just accidentally missed it. But it's one of those things where you could definitely like send a pitch and be like, "By the way, I've, you know, I've emailed you with my pitch and like DMs, or if you have a contact, or, you know, we even have people just." in our discord community pop up and say i sent you something this week and we kind of know to look out for it at that point like we we know like how frustrating it is to be an indie and not receive a response to your pitch it's really frustrating usually uh we try and respond to our pitches about once a month or every two weeks yeah it, um but if we don't do it in that time it's usually because we've went oh that's that's kind of interesting i want to i want to keep this in my inbox and i'm going to look at it again you know whenever i got time to play the build and stuff so that's usually when you'd get a longer kind of gap in a response 
Yeah, if, we, if we're not applying, I, I probably had a baby. <laughs> but, uh, we, we, we try to reply but we are we are we get a lot of pitches and we are uh you know to play everything and we get back to everyone but it takes time it's fine to to drop a like uh a follow-up email of three or four weeks after because yeah the, the fucking spam filters who'd think that if you get thousands of emails with different types of attachment and links to all over the fucking place that spam filter would go what the fuck is going on here though so yeah. occasionally they eat uh, pitches yeah uh, but you, usually if you haven't gotten a reply it just means that the scouting team hasn't seen it uh or hasn't had time to properly assess it uh but it doesn't like it's fine to to get back and uh if you haven't caught a publisher down the line but you've made significant strides on the project or if the pub like i i will type out usually if i think that this is interesting but it's not there um not to i hate keeping people in limbo i don't want to keep people like following after the boat with my little fucking money hook but uh if you haven't caught someone in six months and you've made strides that you feel are like massive improvements to to what i saw six months ago yeah feel free pitch me again uh that's all good uh you might get a really fast no but it's not like i'm gonna take it like an insult or anything it's like you you gotta get that money so that's fine yep all right Dad, um, I'm gonna, do you have anything left to add because we've now got our next one no, right, good good okay so there are a lot of questions in here that we did not get to uh i just sent dan a note <laughs> and i'm like tell me when you're ready because i could do this for another hour um we're going to move those over to the AMA questions on the Discord, and we will go through them there, so so bear with us. But in the meantime, Des, Johan, Kiva, thank you so much for coming and sharing your knowledge, and hopefully I'm going to see you all at, at GDC. Um, otherwise, everybody stick tight right here. Dan's coming right back with Martin from Poland, VC. See you soon. <laughs>